Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mliwa Kabaza, and for today, we do get into an interesting conversation about uh, the state of the South African economy, because we are at that point in the year where a lot of uh, companies, businesses are now starting to wrap up. Uh, their year end, uh, year, year end activities. We are starting to get all those invites for year end, uh, parties and that type of thing, which means that this time we start reflecting on, uh, the year that was and, you know, sort of looking to the future, uh, just to see, uh, what's been going on. Not to say that there isn't any news flow, uh, because there's definitely a lot, um, you know, going on in terms of trade, in terms of, um, you know, mining out but there is still a lot going on. The economy doesn't stop ticking. It's always good to take time uh, to just reflect on uh, the year that has been. And for today, we are going to be chatting uh, to Dumiso uh, Hadebe, um, who is the chief economist over at uh, KH Equity Partners. We hadn't spoken to him in a little bit of time, and we just wanted uh, you know, to bring him on to get a sense of where we are in the economy and, uh, you know, some of the things that people should be looking out for in the year to come. Dumiso, how are you today? I'm very well, thanks, Modiwa. Um, how are you doing? Ah, no, we've been all right. Uh, I think the youth uh, are suffering in what they call Cyril's economy. Uh, but uh, you and I know that it goes beyond Cyril's economy. There's a lot that's at play here. And uh, maybe that's a good place to, to, to start this conversation, getting a sense on your side, you know, 2022 in the economy. Um, when you, when, if someone says, can you reflect, what comes to mind? Sure. I think uh, 2022 has been, um, when reflecting on 2022, there's actually an interconnectedness between 2022 and the occurrence that took place in 2020, particularly in the context of what we had anticipated and what we have been looking at in terms of what a recovery in a post-COVID-19 environment would look like. And I think one of the key features that we have seen being a silver lining in the South African context um, has been the windfall that was registered in the in the fiscal year um, quite recently over around 300 billion rand, which certainly assisted the government to be able to provide the necessary relief from a social point of view, um, to be able to provide, um, to, to shield particularly the most vulnerable in the South African economy. But what has also been quite a prominent feature has been what we had anticipated uh, from 2021 going into 2022 being the transitory um, inflation scenario, which uh, was no longer transitory as, we, as we've seen its persistence in 2022 specifically. And if we were to look at it from the side of um, investments across various asset classes, the critical question has been how does how do we ensure that the asset allocation process and the strategies that are in place are able to offset the adverse effect that uh, increased inflation would then have on, on assets. And that has been the predominant feature in 2022 in the main. And I think going into 2023, which I think we'll get into later, um, certainly it will be a continuation of that and how to do, do that in a more sustainable manner, but also trying to uh, forecast what um, we could anticipate to happen from a geopolitical uh, point of view. Um, I was actually uh, chatting with uh, uh, someone uh, yesterday who is a fund manager. 
and yeah, who's a fund manager uh, the other day. And I remember one of the things that they mentioned you know, from an investment and markets point of view was that um, the the geopolitical factors, you know, what you've just brought up now was probably the biggest curveball that was thrown, you know, into 2022. Uh, no one anticipated because remember at the beginning of the year, people thought, ha, could Vladimir Putin really um, invade, you know, you, Ukraine like that? And a lot of people thought that, no, he was just blowing a lot of smoke and that there wasn't going to be any action. And when action did take place, uh, people thought it was just going to be a quick in and out, you know, just to show the fact that, guys, I said I was going to pull the trigger and I pulled the trigger. Yet here we are approaching over half a year, approaching the year mark, um, you know, as we get into 2023. And this thing is still then it's wreaking havoc um, across the markets and across economies. Do you... I guess from the not even geopolitical, but just politics in general, uh, does that form one of the big risk factors on your end as well? It, it certainly does. It certainly does, Mudiwa. Um, and I think a lot of the time when um, debating with colleagues around what are some of the, in terms of prioritization of risk factors that would have the biggest effects on, on various um, investment choices, but also forecasts for the economy, it, all, it always becomes a question to say, will it be economic events? Or will it be political events that will drive the narrative going into the medium term? And I think what we've seen in 2022 has been the pol- the political and geopolitical events have been what have been driving the economic narrative um, in this year. And of course, I think the resultant effects of that um, will also permeate into the following year. And part of what we've seen is some of the tensions that have been related to what is uh, typically referred to as the global north and the global south. Some of the things we've seen, as you've quite rightly mentioned, have been the continued tension between Russia and Ukraine and the effects that it that has had on important commodities such as oil for energy and of course wheat for food consumption and the ultimate uh, the resultant impact on the inflation situation globally but also as it affects South Africa specifically. But also quite recently um, we have also seen Mudiwa the recent re-election of President Lula in Brazil which I think given the uh, reputation and the legacy that he has had in the past, he represents a specific school of thought in terms of economic growth, economic transformation, in comparison to the incumbent president, which I think from a global uh, political point of view, we should anticipate some interesting moves that will be happening in, in, in that instance. And of course, in the UK, the election of um, uh, the Prime Minister Sunak as well, promising to bring about some level of stability from that part of the world. From Asia, we've seen the re-election of um, President Xi Jinping, who has strengthened his hold um, over China's economic policy. And of course, we've also seen the stance that um, him and his government had taken in relation to the zero COVID policy. And that has also had some effect, particularly when we look at the um, purchasing managers index that come out of China that have been very volatile um, over this period. And of course, on a trade weighted basis as an important partner for South Africa, we've also seen that effect have um, um, some adverse effects on terms of uh, uh, the, the South African economy as well. And in certain instances, some positive effects from a trade balance point of view. So certainly the politics and geopolitics, uh, even going into 2023 and presently, will certainly be risk factors that will shape the economic narrative.
Ndumi, I definitely am with you when it comes to the issue of politics. It is a big one out there, and I'm sure that it's one of those things that people are pricing in uh, to a lot of their investment decisions right now and also how they're assessing risk. And um, when it comes to things like that, you have investors and the market becoming a little bit skittish and a little bit dovish. You tend to see them trying to go towards safe haven assets and uh, that's at least uh, been one of the big reasons that's been given to the strengthening dollar at this point um, you know in the global economy and that's resulted in a weaker rand um, at the moment and I was hoping that the issue of the rand would help us to assess you know the current environment and some of the news flow uh, that is happening right now because it's something that uh, is affecting everyone uh, I've noticed that uh, a lot of companies that have been reporting results uh, up to the quarter that's just ended in September uh, were were all citing the issue of um, the issue of uh, rand weakness as either because in certain cases if your revenues are denominated in foreign currency then upon translation it looks like it, there's an uplift in rands right but if your expense base is then is in US dollars or uh, one of the other major foreign currencies at the moment, then um, your business is hurting right now. So, you know, just getting your thoughts just around uh, the RAND and how it's affecting everything out there. Certainly, Mudiwa. Um, I think in the in the recent while, um, we have seen um, a weakness that has been reflected in the RAND. And I think particularly over the last 12 months or so um we've seen we've seen around a 12% weakness of the rand in this instance and it's seemingly from when looking at some of our uh, models from a macro point of view where we certainly do anticipate that that will be a continuation particularly because of the inputs that are happening from a a, a macro and geopolitical risk point of view um and what certainly what what we've also seen has been the counterintuitive play that China has had in terms of them easing interest rates um, while the rest of the world has been on an interest rate hike in order to fight off inflation in this instance. And that in in the US Fed's case, that's what we've seen has been what has attributed the strengthening of the dollar to to a large extent. And of course, has led to certain weaknesses in terms of the rand. And for South African companies in particular that are engaged in international trade um, and exports, we certainly would see an upside or a positive lift, as you've um, quite previously mentioned, uh, from their revenue base as well. But also it has a, a fiscal um, benefit on our side in terms of revenue collection. But of course, when you look at instances where companies are reliant on global supply chain, and the imports of certain inputs, for whether it be from a manufacturing point of view, there is definitely going to be higher transaction costs. And of course, that those transaction costs drive uh, uh, together with the story of inflation. And of course, ultimately, uh, we might then have to see how our national treasury will respond in the February budget next year in terms of how to deal with this question of bracket creep, because you may find that certain consumers might find themselves paying more as a result of being pushed into higher tax brackets as a result of this inflation story. So that's why I think in the case of the South African Reserve Bank in trying to really ameliorate the situation, it's, it's really been a prudent approach to try and fight off inflation in this instance. The most important part has been the availability of fiscal instruments to be able to align and to support the efforts that 
that are that are being undertaken by the South African Reserve Bank in order to improve the situation for South African companies in this instance. And I think those instruments are quite critical for companies that are heavily exposed towards um, foreign currency denominated capex costs or their operational costs as well. And uh, when you think about um, where things are going at the moment, uh, do you see the issue of um, most of it, obviously, is because of what's going on globally. Do you see the the, the strengthening dollar or, ra- or dollar strength um, in its current form being something that is here with us, um, at least for the foreseeable future? Or has it just been one of those uh, short-term type of reactionary things that tends to happen in the market sometimes? You're an investor and you're just trying to protect your money. Yeah, so I think the based on the sentiments and the tone that has been set by the U.S. Fed, I do certainly think that in the short term, the U.S. Fed is determined to fight off the effects of inflation um, through the hiking of, of, of rates in the U.S. And I think a similar situation will is likely to continue in the South African environment itself, especially in the short term. And of course, we've also seen um, what some other markets um, have been exposed to, uh, particularly when you look at other assets such as crypto and so on, and the events that have taken there. So there's certainly a a, a risk awareness that is present in the market, particularly in the short term, to ensure that there isn't an erosion of value in this instance. But of course, this anticipation around a recession, 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 um, some of the base models that we've attempted to run um, have suggested that there could be somewhat of um, not even half, but around a third or so um, of the global economy um, that might register a recession. Now, depending on how that certainly works out, that will certainly have um, a continued effect in terms of growth prospects for the global economy. But of course, for South Africa as well, um, it will certainly affirm that we will certainly remain um, below the 2% GDP growth mark um, going into next year. But of course, one of the interesting things uh, from an inflation point of view, we've seen from the medium t- term budget policy statement that was uh, delivered by the Minister of Finance has been the proposal around a 5 billion rand uh, availability of uh, uh, fiscal resources to really deal with uh, um, issues of headline inflation. So what we've seen this year, when we've seen um, the, the prices of Brent crude oil going up and, of course, affecting uh, what you and I pay at the pump, we saw some interventions coming in there from National Treasury. So I think this particular proposal from the MTBPS anticipates that to again um, take place in 2023 and of course put in place some uh, fiscal uh, policy instruments to sort of complement some of the uh, efforts that the Reserve Bank is also doing. I think you know one of the when you when I'm thinking about uh, this issue and I just think about it going forward it's (laughs) it's been a you know such a like like we like we highlighted for a lot of people it's causing a lot of uh, what you call this mayhem but it, you know every once in a while you do see some of the stuff translating well i think obviously people that are exporting have really done well um you know in this environment and going forward it will be interesting to see how the sentiment either maintains itself or shifts 
going forward. So now looking into 2023, we've set the scene of where we are now. And you've sort of even started giving us a little bit of a highlight just now around um, what you call this currencies, for example, about what they point, what type of future they're pointing for, at least in the short term. Uh, what are some of the other things that you are possibly going to be um, looking at? I'm just uh, looking to, uh, for example, I'm looking to the budget in February just to see what type of changes are going to be made, you know, to something like that. We've liberalized the energy market. You know, how is that going to translate uh, to some of the allocations or what you call this assumptions on, on income and revenue that's coming to the state from that liberalization? That's one of the things that I'm keen on. Um, you know, what are you going to be watching out for? I think um, certainly in the short term, from a South Africa point of view, one of the key things that will certainly give us an indication of the direction in which uh, South African economic policy will be the ANC uh, elective conference that will take place in December of 2022. And I think given the contestations that are happening there, and of course, some of the events that are taking place as um, uh, various pol politicians are campaigning and so forth, it will be quite interesting to see whether indeed the current president, uh, President Ramaphosa, will be able to then still continue to retain his position as ANC president. Because if indeed that is then the case, then the, the baseline anticipation in terms of fiscal policy point of view, what has been delivered by the minister, and of course what you've mentioned around some of the uh, alterations that are being made in terms of the energy market in South Africa, some of those baseline can still stand to, to be true. However, if, there is this, if there's an instance whereby there um, is a different individual that is elected, then it brings in uh, another level of uncertainty in terms of what that individual would then do when it comes to the energy market. As, we, as you and I know, that has been it has been quite a contentious issue within the ANC itself. But of course, other issues around what economic transformation needs to look like, given the various views that have been shared within that political party. And so from a South African point of view, in the short term, that becomes an important baseline enabler uh, in terms of what we can anticipate going into the future. From a global from a global point of view, I think the 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 global risks continue to remain. From a geopolitical point of view, the continued fight of against high inflation will remain. Um, we do anticipate um, slow growth again going into 2023. Of course, we then um, I think it's also quite consistent with what uh, the World Bank and the IMF has actually forecasted in their own records as well. But of course, um, it will be quite interesting to see what the energy situation at a global level, what the effects of that will be given that we've seen this year OPEC's deliberate position around constraining some of the supplies in terms of the energy market, which has continued to um, permeate in terms of the inflation outlook um, at a global macro point of view. And so those are some of the, the key things that I think going into 2023, it will be quite important to, to take into account and to really see what are the possible implications of that going into 2023 for the global economy. Um, one of the things that I want to touch on, you brought it up just now, is uh, what you call this, the fact that we're likely going to continue um, with this um, high inflationary environment. And obviously, you have central banks trying to curb that. Some are predicting that we will see a peak in the what you call this uh, sometime next year. And then from there, um, we'll start to see uh, a tapering down of inflation. Is that a realistic you know, scenario? We do what you call this. Is that a realistic scenario? We are seeing 
um, a lot of people fighting to get inflation in control. But just given where we are, there's still a war, there's still a lot of uncertainty politically. Uh, are all of these monetary policies enough really to to push down uh, that inflation? Because I, I think this hiking cycle has been brutal for many around the world. It certainly has. And I think um, in economics, those those forecasts um, would remain to be true. Citris uh, paribus, uh, if all things remain constant. Um, but of course, um, fr- from the responses of uh, the central bank point of view, it's important that the the focus not only be on what the central banks are doing, but also what governments are doing from a fiscal policy point of view in terms of dealing with the downside risks that are associated with the energy crisis that we are all facing globally, but also the support of vulnerable people um, globally as well and how they continue to be supported against an erosion of wealth and income as a result of some of these global risks that tamper and also affect um, individual consumers and, of course, companies as well. But certainly, when we look at the the global investment confidence um, and appetite that exists, when you look at business um, confidence, I think there's a, there's a, a significant level of cautious optimism that exists w- within the markets, provided that some of the uh, political events certainly are indeed ameliorated. But um, it goes without saying, Modiwa, that um, uh, some of these events are certainly what will certainly continue to drive the narrative in various nuances as to what it looks like in the Asian environment, what it looks like in Europe, in the African environment, but of course, um, in the US as well. And I think the interconnectedness of those events would certainly inform at a trade-weighted basis in terms of who are South Africa's uh, most significant trading partners across different sectors, what impact that may potentially have, and what is the resultant um, response that needs to be solicited from the government of the day. Yeah, no, most certainly we'll be waiting to see how all of this, um, you know, how all of these issues um, affect us going forward and especially um you know this inflation it's a it's a tough one and like you said all things um you know holding equal or holding constant um is how a lot of these things are done but unfortunately that is not the way that uh, the real world works so as we're closing off and um, so your outlook we've we've painted all the pictures we've reflected and all that are you hopeful because I think sometimes we tend to predict a lot of doom and gloom. Uh, but, you know, are you hopeful or are you sort of pessimistic about where we're going as an economy? No, I, I'm certainly hopeful, Modiwa. Um, I think, you know, when we when we look back at 2022 or rather the period 2020 to 2022, for instance, um, we will look back at this period as one of the most volatile periods that we have seen in recent history. Um, however, I do certainly think that the long-term picture does certainly look better, particularly because uh, there seems to be some kind of um, uh, reconfiguration and rethinking around sustainability. And even from when looking at some of the DSGE models that we've been um, trying to run, some of the assumptions that we've input previously in some of those models um, uh, prior to 2008, there was no consideration around the negative impact of uh, the financial 
services or financial markets in terms of macro stability. But now some of those assumptions have been critical inputs in terms of what we're looking into into the future. And so I think there's been a greater level of rigor uh, when looking at the diagnosis of the South African and the global economy. And going forward, I think the, this reconfiguration of how we think around sustainability and resilience of the global economy will put us in a better position um, in being able to be more resilient for future shocks, particularly as well, given the recent uh, experience of COVID-19. So I'm certainly quite confident that in the medium term and short term, there might be some continued volatility, but the long-term picture, I think it continues to be on, on an upward trend in my view. All right. So that's Andrumiso uh, ending off today's discussion on a very positive note uh, to say that uh, there are you know, he is hopeful about where we're going. There is a lot of doom and gloom, uh, but there is some optimism that he is uh, approaching the future of the economy with. Uh, we spent uh, quite a bit of time reflecting on uh, the year that was and then uh, looking at where we currently are at the moment in the economy, um, sort of highlighting that through the lens of uh, currency weakness in terms of the RAND um, and what that has meant uh, for the local economy. But um, you know, on the other side of that coin, uh, what US dollar strength has meant for how a lot of people are approaching uh, the investment decisions. And then from there, just looking into the future, um, uh, highlighting the fact that uh, political uncertainty is likely going to be a huge risk factor, um, you know, going forward, because you see a lot of changes in leadership. And even in South Africa, there is a big election uh, that is coming up in December. What is that going to mean uh, for some of the policies that are uh, that have recently been announced and uh, what will it mean for some of that certainty uh, for the investment community. So that's been it for today. We were talking to Hadewe, who is the chief economist over at KH Equity Partners. Dumiso, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much, Mudiwa. Thank you so much for having me. This is Mudiwa's Take. Very interesting uh, discussion and as we are starting to wrap up the year, um, always good to reflect on the year that was. Uh, I think the uncertainty around uh, the political situation has definitely been a huge theme and is likely going to be um, something to carry on going forward because it is literally determining a lot of issues. You think about the energy issue, um, uh, that's something that Ndumiso brought up, the fact that you have OPEC uh, deciding you know their production around uh, oil and all of that stuff what does that mean and that comes with uh, geopolitical implications um, think about what's happened in brazil in the uk and all of the shifts in leadership on that front the reinstatement of xi jinping in china all of that and also uh, we can never forget uh, the ongoing uh, conflict uh, between uh, russia and ukraine uh, that is likely going to be uh, um, the things that are driving, you know, where we go uh, in the year to come and uh, your markets, investment decisions, everything else is likely going to be um, reacting to how things are playing out in some of those arenas. It will be interesting to see how things develop. This year, we had the curveball, which was the Russia-Ukraine war. What will be the curveball? Uh, because there they, they definitely will be something that happens. Uh, but what is it that's going 
gonna happen next year and is it going to be above or below what we've experienced in 2022 and obviously as uh, central banks try to try to curb inflation um, you know how far can they actually go uh, because the tools that you have at hand you can continue to hike interest rates and discourage people uh, from borrowing money and all of that but if in the real economy uh, there is um pressing need for some of these things and you know a lot of factors uh, such as your supply chain issues that are pushing up prices geopolitical tensions all of that how far can these things actually go we wait to see but uh, we will be um, watching fascinated And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. Our producer is Paige Muller. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight which is a multimedia live production. So for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.